Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Schaap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. By MinnowsPlus.com. From baits to waiters, if it helps you catch a fish, they have it. And now, from the Short Grass, here is your host, Trey Shap. Welcome to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Shap. Fall is in the air. The leaves have started changing colors. They're dropping to the ground, and sometimes it's hard to find your golf ball on the golf course, whether it be in the fairway or out because of the leaves. With the change in seasons, it's time to talk course maintenance. And so this episode of From the Short Grass, I travel out to Chenal Country Club to talk with their superintendent, Jed Spencer. Jed gives us a little bit of an insight into maintaining golf courses, but not just one 18 holes as Chanel has 36. And each 18 holes has a different grass type on the green. We're going to talk to Jed about maintaining the golf course and how to prepare for the upcoming winter as well. Minnowsplus.com. I want to thank them for their sponsorship of From the Short Grass. They've been with us from the very beginning. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com. They have all of your fishing and hunting needs right there on the website, minnowsplus.com. We're back after this. Stay with us. This is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. Trey asked me to sponsor a show for another few months. Even though I don't like golf, I do like his show. I have no idea how he gets the awesome variety of guests on his show, but it is entertaining and informative even for a horrible golfer like myself. I'm learning a lot about the game and about the passion for playing. So much so, I've started using my country club for more than Sunday brunch. Trey makes golf interesting. I make auctions interesting. For auctions, listen to me. For golf, listen to Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of SureLife products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at MinnowsPlus.com. Welcome back to From the Short Grass. Now on the tee, the superintendent of Chenal Country Club, Jed Spencer. Jed, thanks for joining me on From the Short Grass. You are the course superintendent here at Chenal Country Club. 36 holes that you get to deal with, plus a practice range. And I even saw the other day, y'all have grass tennis courts now. We do. We have one court that we, uh, we installed two years ago and opened it up last year. Very unique in that we are the only club in the state to have hard courts, clay courts, and now a grass court. Not open all year because this really, uh, if we need to take some grass from it, a nursery green, we will. So far we haven't, but it's only open for a few weeks out of the year, but still a very special time for our membership to be able to use that. When that transition was being made, did you say, look, I need to go over to Wimbledon and see how they do it? 
surprisingly enough, uh, Will Briarly is the head groundskeeper, groundsman over at Wimbledon. And I was able to contact him, get some pointers from him about setting the course up, setting the court up, uh, how to maintain it, things like that. So it's extremely helpful to have uh, someone of that nature to give you some tips to do that. And that's a great thing about our industry. We're willing to help each other out. And here is head groundsman at Wimbledon helping a guy here at Chenal with just one court. Very cool. Very about, cool. Yeah, that, that is pretty neat. Now, what about when it comes to golf courses? How much do superintendents talk? Surprisingly, we talk a lot. Uh, and in the realm of the state of Arkansas, we have a great, what I would call brotherhood that, uh, we can call anybody at any course and more than likely they're going to help us out. Not too many people have quote unquote secrets that we do something different. Uh, we all are in favor of helping each other and, and by anybody, I mean anybody, Mm -hmm. uh, that we can call to help us out if we have issues or whatever we need to do to solve our problems. And it's a great, great network to have that we, that we have that here in this state. You've been here at Chanel. You started out not as the superintendent and worked your way up. And you started here when it was just the founder's course, just 18 holes. So you saw the building of Bear Den. And back in the day, it used to be bent grass greens on both courses. Now you have Tiff Eagle on the founder's course. And you just told me a little while ago that you're about to switch to Tiff Eagle on Bear Den as well. You know, it's amazing the changes that uh, have taken place out here in 20 plus years. Um, and for the better for our club. Uh, each club has to make a determination what's best for them as far as grass variety, grass type, depending on when your play is, what your members expect, uh, how you can maintain it, the resources you have. And so uh, when we converted in 2018 from A1 Bent Grass to the Tiff Eagle on Founders, um, we had done our research and then, you know, we were late to the game in this Bermuda change, if you will. And that really allowed us to talk to other superintendents in the state who had done this. And Mm -hmm. so we were able to incorporate some of those little tips that I think have just enhanced what we've done on the Founders course with the Tiff Eagle Bermuda. Why is it so difficult in this part of the country to keep bent grass going? Well, we are in the what is known as the transition zone, where typically you can grow a cool season grass such as fescue, ryegrass, also, a transition to Bermuda grass, zoysia grass, or warm season grasses, as they're known. And so when you have this area that ranges from here all the way up to Missouri, Kansas, uh, where you can grow both types, uh, you can grow both kinds very poorly as well as very well. And so that is what makes it difficult, because that each grass has a different time period in which they excel, and each grass has a time period in which they have their difficulties and their struggles. And uh, just base, based off the weather that we have here, uh, again, makes it difficult to choose the right right variety for here. What are some of the complaints, if there are complaints, that golfers give superintendents that they're not happy about how, how thick the rough is or how high it is or why is the fairway that narrow? I can't find my golf ball when it's, you know, when it goes into the rough. I mean, what are some of the, uh, the complaints that superintendents get from golfers? Well, of course, uh, you start with the greens, and of course, they're fast, Too fast. slow. <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, for our for the membership that you have, it can be uh, too fast, too slow, inconsistent, too grainy, too sandy, and a lot of that is based off of what we do to the greens as well. And and, and golfers catch a snapshot of obviously a long cycle of what we maintain on a course, and so 
that makes it difficult when you maybe have just done a cultural practice on a Monday and they come out of Wednesday and there's still a little bit of sand on the greens or we've just aerified tees and there's holes. And so educating them to put those pieces of the puzzle together that, okay, you're here one day, you're catching a snapshot of what is going on for a week or a month through this time period. Sometimes you have to take that into consideration with their uh, concerns or I hate to say complaints because most of them do care about right, the condition right. of the course. And so you get some crazy ones out there, complaints or questions, but um, by and large, most of the players and golfers, they really do care about the condition. They care about what you're doing, the longevity of the course. Sometimes you just have to be specific about what you're doing now, and they want to know now what's going on. And so uh, it, kind of the hierarchy, obviously, you start with greens, and you work away tees, fairways rough. Uh, a wise superintendent once told me when they get down to complaining about bunkers, everything else is good. And that's it. When <laughs> right. that's all they have to right. complain about, you know, you've checked the big boxes off and now you're down to a hazard. Unless they're saying, well, there's too much sand in there. <laughs> right. I can't yeah. get out. Too much, too little, uh, too firm, too soft. And there's articles out there that talk about, well, if you want consistent bunker conditions, here's what it needs. And basically it comes down to every bunker would have to be designed the same. And they're not. And Every golf course isn't designed the same either. That's the beauty of this game is that we're working in nature and that we're battling nature. And the, the things that we do to manipulate nature here and provide consistent conditions, uh, not only here but throughout the state, the superintendents that do it uh, do a wonderful job at it. You have zoysia fairways here. I, I think that is the best grass to hit off of out of a fairway that could possibly be. So we have Meyer on the Founders course and Cavalier on the Bairdain course. Uh, two different types, uh, two different uh, varieties that have different traits and that we have to manage a little different. And when they are good, they are good. Uh, they stand your ball up. You don't get a bad lie. And I, I would agree. To me, that's what I've worked on my entire career, not only here but other places, and it's hard to beat a good Sergio Grass Fairway. And uh, once you get them good, boy, they are good. What are the challenges that you face here at Chanel with the two courses? Well, first and foremost, it's finding the right people to manage these courses and the people, the, the amount of people that we need to. We are uh, about 400 acres, and that's a lot of land to cover. A lot of nuances here uh, with, within that 400 acres that require either special skills to maintain or special equipment to maintain and it gets really to be a scheduling uh conflict at times knowing okay what's more important in this area or that area so prioritizing our maintenance is is key to that and um you know it it, it sometimes overwhelms you and it can be but uh we have a good system here and course maintenance is all about good people mm -hmm. uh the crew the staff and crew i have here uh some of them have been here for longer than i have and you cannot put a price tag you can't quantify the value in that individual and so uh i get a lot of compliments and i'll say you need to thank my guys and my staff because they make it happen and they really do it's about the people just as much as it is anywhere else in any other organization that really make it happen 
When it comes to transition, and we're in one now where we're getting ready for, uh, we're in the middle of fall, but we're getting ready for that winter season. And last year was a brutal winter with all of the snow uh, that we had. As a course superintendent, what concerns do you have during the transition? Mother Nature is throws us a curveball every year. Uh, you just don't know what the future holds. If uh, And that's a lot of questions we get. We go back to complaints. Well, if I'd have known what the weather was going to be like, I would have done things totally different, right? You know, mm-hmm. you look in hindsight and, and looking back. Uh, so, but, you know, this year we're in a dry year, which I would rather have a dry fall than a wet fall. It allows us to do things we need to do to prepare for winter. It allows the golfers to enjoy the course more, which to me the fall is the best time to play. We're, we're more about grass. We turn to grass, turf grass health at that point. So what do we need to do? What do we need to apply? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing as far as cultural practices or uh, chemicals, fertilizer that will help the plant provide food for itself next spring so that when it starts to emerge from dormancy, you know, we don't have bare spots out there. We don't have areas that are weak that the traffic has beat down over the winter. So we really have to think further out than you might really believe. So we're now we're thinking about next March and April. What do we need to do to handle any type of snow, any type of cold weather uh, that would allow us to be just as good in the spring uh, that, as we are right now? And, and that gets really technical, and I won't go into all that, but there's a lot of scientific uh, reasoning and philosophy that go behind those processes. Some people might see their greens covered when it gets very, very cold, and some might not see the greens that their course is covered. What dictates that? Well, uh, first and foremost, I think there's a lot of great research out there now. Dunn University of Arkansas is doing some great research about temperature-wise, when should you cover your greens? Uh, for the longest time, you know, we were told 25 to 27 degrees uh, is the time to cover. Well, they're showing now... If you prepare your greens properly in the fall, you can reduce that temperature down to probably 20 or 18 degrees, believe it or not. Really? Very, very cold, and it depends on what type of grass variety you have, though. That's a big part. That plays a big part in, in what you're doing uh, because there is a difference between Tiff Eagle and Champion, Mini Verde, Tiff Dwarf, the older Tiff Dwarfs. There's a lot of that still here. Uh, the last height of cut that you cut out the amount of material you have on you have on the surface has a lot to do with it and it's very much a judgment call by your superintendent to know when to do that but we have some real good guidelines coming out mm-hmm. that will support uh what we want to do that way and so uh first and foremost you've got to have covers some places don't have covers don't have the ability to have them there's other ways to do that to prevent winter kill um, but covers are the are the best and easiest way for sure to make sure that you're going to have grass in the spring if we get cold. Now, when you're playing golf, and let's say it's December or January, and the grass is all dormant, ball marks on the greens, you have to cut holes into a green. What's the philosophy here? What do you like to do? Do you have like maybe five holes pre-cut, and you just use those and rotate them and put caps over the others? What What's the philosophy here? So what we do here is we'll actually just – uh, probably cut less days. So we'll still just cut one hole, um, but we'll just, instead of maybe six, seven days a week, we'll cut it back to three days a week um, because that area around that cup, we know we'll take a certain amount of traffic and then we'll need to move it. So by cutting one hole gives us more options throughout the course of, a, of an off-season to cover 
more area of the green to utilize the full space that we have to use on a green. I know some places that do cut three or four holes that rotate those and then they'll move them. That's another way to uh, reduce the traffic pattern or expand the traffic pattern, I should say, sorry, so that that leaf material is still there when we roll around to late February, early March, and these actually start to put out a little leaf material. So uh, traffic control is a big factor in a whole location through the winter so that you don't wear an area down too much and then you're wearing down to the crown of the plant or where the plant would start to emerge from dormancy in the spring. So that's what you really need to watch. No matter what system you use, just make sure that your traffic is controlled in a certain manner. And traffic control throughout the whole course is an issue as well, is it not? Absolutely. And with the boom in golf we've seen yeah. through the pandemic, that's been an issue at a lot of places is car traffic. Boy, I tell you what, people ask about, well, why doesn't my lawn look like the golf course? Well, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but also we're dealing with stresses such as a golf cart. So if you want to take your car and drive back and forth across your front yard, try to manage that as well. It's very difficult to do at times. And so uh, cart traffic is essential to health of the, of the course in the spring. How does your front yard look? <laughs> I tell you, I'm pretty lucky. My wife actually mows our yard. Really? So I don't know how I got her trained on it, but uh, <laughs> most of the time, probably because I'm here most of the time, right. 400 acres. But yeah, so I, she likes to mow and I let her do it. So, so you still mow? We, we, I, I don't know if there's a superintendent that at some point doesn't get out there and be a part of the solution. You know, sure, we plan, we manage, we set up, we schedule, but. Uh, when it's all said and done, we all do what we need to do. Jump on a roller, jump on a fairway unit, fill this hole there, fill that gap. It just makes everything work so much better. And the continuity of our crew, we know everybody's in it. There's not someone that's higher than another at the end of the day. You and your crew, you guys have to be morning people, don't you? <laughs> you definitely do. You know, I've been getting up for, uh, you know, years now for about 4.30, 4.45 in the morning and and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have any other way. I, I'm, I'm, I bet most of my guys are like me that we typically don't have to have an alarm clock. We've been doing it so much now. You just kind of wake up and go. Right. But you definitely, definitely have to be a morning person to do this for sure. When you look at greens and trying to get green speeds consistent over the course, how difficult is that? Each green is its own microenvironment. And you really have to take that in consideration when you're when you're planning your cultural practices and and your rolling and your mowing heights and your fertility and your PGRs, plant growth regulators. When you step back, you actually have to take a, a broader look at those areas and and you know if there's trees in the way, you need to cut some trees to get some to get some sunlight. Uh, we we are not afraid to cut trees down here, and you know that's one item that golfers will see boy you're taking a lot of trees well you want trees or grass i can right. show you plenty of areas that we took trees out and you have grass to play on now and it's very difficult sometimes to explain that correlation how that works uh, but going back to consistency over uh, you know each course 18 holes it takes a lot of uh, planning and you just really have to look at each green individually almost daily to see what's going on 
to see if there's greens that you say, okay, we don't need to, you know, or this area, this green, we don't need to verticut. We've done that. Uh, you know, this, we don't need to do this green at all. We need to put a little more sand on this one. So you really have to be out there monitoring daily what's going on with your greens to, to get them as consistent as you can. Uh, one thing that you'll hear good and bad about is obviously a stint meter. Uh, mm-hmm. We use the stint meter here just for that purpose. So we have specific greens that we'll use and we'll use a stint meter. I'm not to see how fast we could get them necessarily but to see if they're consistent green to green and that's what that's what we really use that for and green to green and day to day you know if we go out and roll how does that affect of course it's going to speed them up a little bit and again it goes back to the the snapshot of the day that sometimes things are going to change from day to day based on what we do what's the fastest you've ever gotten the greens here so back in 2019 uh during the Southern Am that we had, the amateur tournament, I believe it was the second round, we had them just a shade over 14, almost 14 and a half. Yikes. Our, most people do not want to play on 14 no, and a half. I love greens. fast greens, yeah. but I think that's too fast for me. That's just quick, and they were firm along with that. I think that's worse than putting on glass. Yeah, it was, and they were smooth, mm. uh, but it took so much effort to get them double cutting and yeah. rolling and, and all that stuff. It's a lot of effort to do that, but it was, it was fun to do that. I like to end each podcast with when you find your ball mark on the green, repair it, and a couple of more. The importance of that from a superintendent's perspective, what is that? Twofold. You're looking at at overall green health Uh, because if you don't fix your ball mark, what happens? You see it gets scalped by our mowers in the mornings. When we're out there, we don't have time to fix every ball mark. And not only does it look ugly, but you're taking off material that that plant needs to recover and needs to heal in. And so when you don't fix your ball mark, you're really taking away from the golf course. And two, you're taking away from your fellow golfer. You're making that area bigger that's going to be in someone else's line of play that could affect how their ball rolls. And, of course, we all want to have the best conditions. And so not only do it for the golf course, but do it for your fellow golfer. You play the game? I play at it. I enjoy the game. I enjoy watching it. I don't get enough time to play. I think if I had more time, I'd be decent at it. But I think it's important for superintendents to to play. At some point, take a time to go play your own golf course, see see it from a different perspective. Um, because you'll definitely notice things you don't notice just by driving around in a cart. But if, if you, want, you want to talk about golfing, you need to talk to my wife. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, very good golfer. Take Chenal out. Best golf course you've seen. Well, it's always fun to go to Augusta National. Going there is a special thing. If, if you know, I've been privileged to go there several times. I tell you, there's one right down the road here that matches that in a lotion that's, that's gorgeous. The layout, the, the maintenance, uh, Justin Sims and Koji Mitchell do a, a wonderful job out there. But there's also, I would say, there's courses that maybe aren't as pristine that are just as fun to play. I think there's a difference between looking at a course and, man, it's gorgeous. But there's some, even, even here in the state, mm-hmm. that are that are fun to play, that are well taken care of for what these superintendents and their resources, what they are. And uh, it's just, I like to play different, uh, or at least see different courses and how they're maintained. And and I think there's a lot out there that are probably under, uh, you know, underbilled for what they are. And so I think that uh, if you're at a course here in the state, and uh, no matter where it might be or what level it's at, getting to know and, and visiting with your superintendent about their challenges at each particular 
uh, facility and what they're dealing with is important for you to understand the conditions that are out there on a daily basis. And so um, most of us are, are approachable, even though some people think we like to, you know, punch with just when they're getting good, you know, punch the greens, <laughs> yeah. sand them up. And, right. uh, you know, most of them, you know, some people think we're just evil to the, to the golfers, but that's could, you know, couldn't be further from the truth that we really are doing things for the health of the golf course and the long-term health of the golf course. We're here for the long haul. Most of us are here to make sure that you're enjoying your round the best that it can be, whether it's in uh, March, July, or, or October. And so that's our goal, especially here at Chenal, to, to make sure that we're trying to be as consistent as possible. Well, Chad, I can tell you that every time I've had the opportunity to come out here and play the golf course, I've been in fantastic shape, and that's credit to you and, and your staff. And it's always a treat to come out here and play whichever side it is <laughs> i call it the tight side of bared in or the wide open side of the founders and uh, as i mentioned earlier each course is different we have two here and i i like very much that they're uniquely different mm-hmm. if, if you dropped yourself on either side you would know because you just they are that different they do require different maintenance practices which is great for us too it keeps us on our toes and we learn and we tra- try to transfer uh maintenance practices from one side to the other and sometimes they work sometimes they don't and and uh, you just got to keep trying. But yeah, it's, it is fun to have 36 that are different, uh, provide different challenges. And uh, and I'm going to go back to what you started saying that it, it does boil down to the guys that I have on my staff and crew, mechanic included. You know, those are the really guys where the rubber meets the road, make mm-hmm. it happen, make it look good, and are dedicated to getting up early, coming here every day, uh, and taking pride in the job they do to make sure, again, that, that our members and guests have the best experience possible. So I appreciate that comment very well, much. It, it's fantastic. And thank you for sitting down and sharing some wisdom with me. And um, if my front yard ever needs some help, I'll, I'll get Kelly yeah, exactly. in, in, involved with it. <laughs> this is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. Trey asked me to sponsor a show for another few months. Even though I don't like golf, I do like a show. I have no idea how he gets the awesome variety of guests on his show, but it is entertaining and informative even for a horrible golfer like myself. I'm learning a lot about the game and about the passion for playing. So much so, I've started using my country club for more than Sunday brunch. Trey makes golf interesting. I make auctions interesting. For auctions, listen to me. For golf, listen to Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of SureLife products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com. Welcome back to From the Short Grass. Do you like a good auction called by a good auctioneer? Blackman Auctions. They have good auctions and they have great auctioneers. Since 1938, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Find them on the web at blackmanauctions.com. On the tee with our weekly rules segment, it's PGA Master Professional Adam Carney. Adam, this question today comes in from Randy in Memphis. A ball lands in a golf cart and it actually stays there. He says, it happened in their men's league the other night what do they do yet again one i've had more than once so the golf cart is by definition a movable obstruction uh, and when it's parked 
so we had this, I believe it was the high school state championship years and years ago at Fayetteville. Player on 18 at Fayetteville Country Club, hit one over the green, ended up in the sweater basket of a spectator cart that was sitting on the cart path. When the ball comes to rest on a movable obstruction, the obstruction is removed, the ball's lifted, the obstruction is removed, and the ball must be dropped immediately below where it came to rest. So it's dropped, it's not on. placed. It is dropped. It must be dropped immediately below the spot where it came to rest in or on the obstruction and so in this circumstance the cart was on a cart path so the player was required to drop the ball on the cart path obviously he dropped it twice both times it rolled more than two club lengths or rolled closer to the hole either either way at which point he was required to place it on the cart path at the point where it first struck part of the golf course he placed it then he took relief now from a an immovable obstruction and took relief according to that rule and balls in play long story short it can happen the question becomes whose golf cart was it if it's a shared golf cart who is operating the golf cart at the time that it happened if i park my golf cart behind the green and i hit my shot from 30 yards short of the green and i blade it or whatever and it ends up in the golf cart well that's my equipment at that point so my ball struck equipment so i'm going to be subject to to penalty under that if however you and i are playing together and riding in a golf cart together and i got out in front of the green and you parked it back there now it's your equipment you know under those circumstances because you moved the golf cart there's no penalty for striking another player's equipment but so yeah that's it's 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 just one of those things it's hey, my balls come to rest on a movable obstruction. Famously, Phil Mickelson a couple times has hit it up into kind of the hospitality areas. Yep, in a major. In a majors. We've seen a lot of players sure. hit it into hospitality sure. areas. Sure, Now, that is going to be a little different. That's a temporary immovable obstruction sure. because it's not a permanent structure, but it's not a movable obstruction, but he chose to, to play it, but he could have taken relief. You have the option of playing it, you know, playing it out of the sweater basket or the, or the be a little well. difficult. Of a golf cart would be a bit of a challenge, but... Yeah, you're, you're going to be entitled to relief. Just move the golf cart. He's Adam Carney. He's our rules guru. If you've got a question about the rules of the game, email us at fromtheshortgrass at gmail.com. That will do it for this edition of From the Short Grass. I want to thank Jed Spencer for taking some time out of his busy work schedule to sit down and talk a little course maintenance with me. Good luck to the Arkansas State Golf Association amateurs and the PGA chapter professionals as the Randy Beaver Cup matches take place this weekend in Hot Springs at Hot Springs Country Club. I leave you with this golf quote. Golf is a fascinating game. I've taken nearly 40 years to discover that I can't play it. That from Ted Ray, who won 46 professional tournaments, including the 1912 Open and the 1920 U.S. Open. Remember, when you find your ball mark on the green, repair it and a couple of more. And I hope to see you from the short grass. You've been listening to From the Short Grass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. From the Short Grass is brought to you by MinnowsPlus.com and Blackman Auctions. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.